The toughest part about what the mind of the future looks like is actually the people challenges. The technology and the technology implementation and the digital is actually the easy part. It's going to be around the change of people. No one cares how much you know until they know how much you care. And in a changing, disruptive environment, that's a critical component to success, we believe. you think you can or you think you can't, you're right. And that's about self-belief. Today I speak to Harry Sinko and Gary Lane from Vuma Collaborations. With an international reputation of being a creative, motivational and results-driven change agent, Harry has worked very successfully across corporate boundaries, delivering strong results in a variety of industries and cultures. With a passion for transforming the mining industry, Gary has built up a global reputation in the mining industry over the past 26 years. His philosophy is about collaboration with thought leaders globally to bring together the technology, skills and experience to drive a quantum change in the mining industry. Have you ever gone through change in your personal life or at work and thought to yourself, there must be a better way to do this? Welcome to On Change, the podcast that explores change that works and the people who make it happen. And now from Solid Gold Studios, here's your host, Pietro Dupisani. Today, I welcome Harry Sinko and Gary Lane from Vuma Collaborations. Welcome to Solid Girl Studios, Harry and Gary. Thank you, Petra. Thank you, Petra. You're both directors for Vuma Collaboration, Transrupt, Estec, and Simine, all based at the Mandela Mining Precinct in Emerentia. All of these companies want to use technology and disrupt the mining industry in some way. What is your definition of disruption and why do we need it in the mining industry? The mining industry's got to the point of realization that they aren't getting the returns that they require. I mean, the pull-down in the commodity prices expose an industry that in, in reality is broken in terms of, of their practices. And it's time for us to really change the way that we operate mines, the technology we use, the way that we actually look at the overall mining system. And that's going to be a combination of changes in operating models, business models, technology, and how we manage people. So additionally, the mining industry is lagged behind in productivity to the tune of nearly five times less than, for instance, the automotive industry. And a large part of that, we believe, is effective collaboration. And that's something that we believe needs to be better integrated into the entire value chain. And what do you mean with disruption? What is your definition of disruption? It's a big buzzword at the moment. So what do you mean when you say you need to disrupt this industry? It's doing things differently. Now, not just for the sake of doing it differently, but it's bringing in new thinking from other industries or completely new thinking. So take mine planning, for example. Is there a better way to do mine planning that is completely different? Learning maybe from the automotive industry. And it's not just technology. It's 
the way we do business. It might even be the, op- the actual operating model or business model of mining. Additionally, it means how people are developed into the industry as well. So we have these traditional ways of education to a large degree have, in many areas, seen their use-by date. And we need to develop further and better education methods, development methods for individuals to exercise greater outcomes. One of the things that we're focusing quite intensively on is experiential learning, which is accelerating that experience-based learning out in the business and industry. We're all speaking about the South African context at the moment because we all work in South Africa. Do you think the South African mining industry is ready to be disrupted? I mean, these guys have been doing the same thing for hundreds of years. It's a very manual labor-intensive job at the moment to have a mining company in South Africa. So what will it mean for thousands of mine workers? Because if you think about disruption, people always think, you know, AI and computers and digitization and mechanization. What will it mean for all of these workers that get their livelihood from having to go underground and do manual labor? The first point to make is that the South African mining industry is no unique, not unique to any of the other mining companies globally. We are sitting with productivity issues globally. South Africa isn't actually lagging. What does it actually mean for the future? Well, if we don't modernize our mines globally, we can't open up and access all bodies that are actually non-economical at using current mining methods. So it's not a case of losing jobs. It's a case of making the industry more competitive. And there's going to be an upskilling of people. We're going to need more people with more advanced systems and digital skills in the future. So, yes, there will be potentially a loss of the jobs in the unskilled sector, but it's going to be made up with the more skilled labor. Plus, we're going to open up more ore bodies because there are ore bodies right now that aren't mined, that could be mined. Just now, we'll talk about the global shortage that will be with those skills across all industries. Mm-hmm. So, it's also historically been proven that with productivity increases comes greater wealth. Greater wealth then produces greater consumption, and greater consumption usually broadens the production that's required, so the labor force that's required to service that consumption. So, for instance, years ago, there were only a few choices in what you could do with your lifestyle if you had excessive income. Nowadays, there's a plethora of that. And so the ready or not in South Africa for the change is probably secondary to the question of We've got to change to increase productivity, to increase and generate greater wealth, and to then broaden the base of labor and skilled labor that's required as well. The other thing, as Gary mentioned a moment ago, is that there's this broader requirement across the globe for skilled labor that a lot of predictions are suggesting there's going to be a shortage of. And South Africa is well-placed to be able to take advantage of that situation. What are the main challenges in trying to change companies who've done things similarly for hundreds of years? If you think about mining, literally thousands of years, people have done it the same way. So what are the main challenges of trying to get people to change? Interesting question. Most of it's related to an individual's behavior patterns and changing that. If you think about the longer a person does a job, and the more frequently they do it, they develop these solid behavior patterns that are hard to change. So on an individual level, it's being able to work with them to 
transfer across from those behavior patterns to something new and different. And we all know that when we learn something new, it's awkward. It feels weird. It's uncomfortable. It takes longer. And often the results less satisfactory or of a lesser or lower quality than what we are used to. So it requires us to be able to support those periods of transition for individuals. And nowadays, we can do that offline as well, rather than having to do it in the workplace, being able to do it offline, and hence our focus around experiential learning. We can fail in a safe environment and be able to then get confidence in picking up the skills and moving into the professional world. For us, it's really about being able to help people work through those concerns, vulnerabilities and uncertainties around their behaviour, skills and, uh, and how they apply them. So pretty much breaking habits because you get, you get so used to doing something in a specific way that you want to change people's behaviour so that they can be receptive to doing something in a different way. So absolutely, breaking habits so that firstly there's a want to want break the habit because it's a better way, acknowledgement around that. Secondly, to be able to then work with them to introduce the new techniques or approaches to be able to then create a new outcome. And then thirdly is to be able to support them so that they become very skilled and adept at doing it. If we think about change in its highest level or broadest context, the requirement of things to change requires at this stage, as far as we know, people to do things differently. If things aren't done differently, nothing changes. And if people need to do things differently, then we've got to tackle it, that fundamental area. What do you think? Can we change people, Gary? Look, you always hear the comment that people don't like change. But you've got to go to the core feeling and reason why people don't like change. And it obviously is different for different people, but it generally comes down to some kind of fear, some kind of insecurity. So if you're trying to implement new technology or change into an organization, maybe somebody might be fearful that they'd lose their job because of restructuring or the technology might be too advanced so they can't do it and they're going to feel like they're incapable. So it's often driven by some kind of fear and insecurity, but we do need to change. The world is now getting a lot more agile and organizations are going to have to respond to that. So, And that's what we're trying to really do with um, our Simon at Mandela Mining Precinct is through experiential learning, we're trying to accelerate the change process in a comfortable environment where it's safe for somebody to play with change and try different behaviors. Okay, well, let's unpack that a little bit further. Gamification is a great way to get your message across. You've created a mining simulation that helps people understand across the whole mining value chain what the impact of their decisions are, and so that they can fail quickly, as you say, in order to discover solutions more efficiently. So tell me a little bit more about your mining simulation game, which you call Samine. Yes, so we've built a facility at the Mandela Mining Precinct. It is a physical mining simulation that represents the full value stream of mining. So from the drilling right through drilling, blasting, loading, hauling, all the processing and outbound logistics to the final customer. So we can bring in a team. Some people are operators of each of the different activities. We have a middle management layer which run each of the overall departments. We have a general management layer as well. So it represents the full mining organization and we actually run an experiential simulation where you run the mine to see the impact that you have. And it brings out all the issues around managing a mine around systems thinking. What can you add, Harry? So it looks at a system and identifying where the 
constraints exist in the system. So from a technical point of view, it highlights how we often miss those, how activities within silos tend to correct their areas and processes without necessarily impacting on the entire value chain. So it highlights that very effectively. What it also highlights quite often is that people may start to identify where some of the constraints exist. However, in a complex system with a lot of people involved making decisions, doing the work that they normally do, particularly the mill management layer, quite often that's lost, that's evaporated. And so we go back into the traditional way of solving problems which tend to be long-winded and don't achieve the outcomes that we need. In fact, the game has been specifically designed and typically what happens is in the first round, every group that's ever played it so far, and we've probably played it close on 100 times now with different groups, do not achieve anywhere near the profitability that the game should achieve, a break-even profit. They then go and spend quite a lot of money, time, resources on improving things because we give people an opportunity to go and improve their first result. They come back and they introduce all of those uh, improvements. And what we find then is they typically do a better job. They increase the output. However, they still nowhere near achieving a profit. Then that's where we start to do the development work with them understanding how and where they need to focus their efforts, what tools they need to use, and how to look at the whole process in a very systematic approach. Mm-hmm. Who's the game for? We're targeted the game mainly at management levels, senior management, middle management. So that's where the main focus is. However, uh, we've played it with school children as well to introduce them into the mining sector and understand the complexity of mining and the uh, opportunities that exist in the mining sector in the future. Okay, that's great. Harry and Gary, it's time for our rapid-fire round. So just answer the first thing that pops into your mind. Harry, what is in your pocket right now except for your phone? Nothing. Gary? My car keys. What book would you recommend to anyone to read? Boundaries for Leaders. Freakonomics. Who is the person you look up to most in life? My mum. <laughs> Gary? Probably my dad. What is the most useful thing under 500 Rand that you've bought in the last year? A cell phone holder. It was just over 500 Rand. Blood test. What do you spend a silly amount of money on? Gadgets. Cars. What app do you use that nobody else knows about and should be using? Penultimate. What does it do? It's a writing app for Mm. Apple. Evernote. What is the next country on your bucket list that you'd like to visit? Slovenia. Croatia. Tea or coffee? Coffee. Coffee. Dogs or cats? Dogs. I'm afraid the same answer. Dogs. Dogs. (laughs) Thick base or thin base? Thin base. Thick base. Okay, great. That's the end of our rapid fire round. Let's get back to our questions. We spoke a lot about all of the companies that you are directors on, and they all around technology and disruption. And one of the words that I came across was a digital twin. So what is a digital twin and how do you use it? So it is actually one of my sort of focus areas at the moment. So let me, uh, let me try and clarify that. There's a lot of the term digital twins being used quite 
broadly across industries without a real understanding of what it is. It is really a virtual replica of the actual item that you want to represent. So in the case of a mining organization, a digital twin represent the full mining value chain together with its activities, the equipment, the resources, the operating model together with an actual geospatial picture of what that mine looks like that pays respect to the um, distances that trucks travel, for example. And you can literally simulate every single decision you'd make on a normal mine. You can simulate in a virtual environment. So we can literally test what will happen if we make changes and what the impact will be on the mine. Would you like to add to that, Harry? The additional thing I might suggest is that it also includes in our definition the different hierarchies or levels of work that exist within that system. Okay, and how they all impact each other and interact. Okay. So what you're actually doing is you're proposing huge changes to the mining industry. So how do we make these changes happen and who do we need to influence? Because I think it's going to be a huge people-changing exercise. And how do we get support and buy-in for that? So the traditional answer is probably the safest. We'll start with senior management in all of the organisations that are impacted, so the mining organisations in this case. A large part is to work with them educate them, broaden their thinking and understanding of what's possible out there. And ultimately, they need to lead the program or the new charge in this area. It's I mentioned the auto industry being a, a significant leader in productivity increases over the last 30 years, in fact. The large part of that is because they had some very strong leadership in some of the companies that were driving, breaking the barriers of traditional manufacturing techniques and methods. And I believe the same is required in the mining industry. However, it doesn't just stop there. We also mentioned that the new Mining 4.0, or the digital future of mining, will require a significant amount of resources, new resources, new talent, new capabilities and skills. And for that, we need to rely on government to be able to help the education processes achieve those requirements that we need for those people as well. And then broadly, it's about communities, communities that need to be involved at every step of the way. The future is largely where we all participate in, and we all have a requirement to be able to impact on that. And so I think that communities are a big part of it as well. Moving away from focusing on you know, what happens to my job today and starting to think about what are my children going to be doing in the future in this industry. The toughest part about what the mind of the future looks like is actually the people challenges. The technology and the technology implementation and the digital is actually the easy part. It's going to be around the change of people and the stuff we spoke about earlier around the fear of change and the root causes of that. Right now, the industry is bombarded with lots and lots of digital solutions for mining 4.0 or for the digital mine. I would say there's a lot of confusion in the industry. If I was the CEO of a mining company right now, I'd be a little bit scared because I think there's a lot of solutions being punted by different vendors. In some instances, we've just renamed stuff with a 4.0 after it. And it comes down to what are the right things to focus on that are going to create the value of what we're trying to achieve, whether it's a safety improvement or increase in profitability, which leads into efficiency improvement. And our belief is the fundamental starting point of that is systems thinking. 
without an understanding of the mining system, you're not going to be able to prioritize where to focus and you're going to spend money across a whole list of initiatives, which is what the mining industry currently does, without understanding incremental value of what that's going to result in. So what needs to change in the mining environment in terms of things like infrastructure or legislation and so forth, which will make these changes, this digitization and modernization easier? Investors and shareholders of mining companies, the most fundamental thing is they need certainty. So the government legislation and, and especially the Mining Charter 3, we just need certainty around what the legislation and what the rules of the game is. Then investors work within the context of that legislative paradigm. And so it's a case of creating clear rules so we can get foreign direct investment, we can get investment in mining, and that's going to lead the charge to mining 4.0. So it's just about certainty. The whole mining industry globally needs to change. We do have additional challenges in South Africa, but there are challenges in every single region around the world, all their own unique challenges. What do you think, Harry? Additionally, greater levels of collaboration. So the mining industry has been subjected to, I think, quite a lot of solutions where they were dependent upon one platform or one approach. And what we've seen globally is that a lot of solutions are already active in a lot of different industries and learning from those industries, bringing that into the mining industry and collaborating effectively rather than reinventing another proprietary solution, I think is also a significant, or should be able to significantly change and accelerate the digitization process. So you're talking about uh, integration and using, being able to port solutions already developed in other industries across to the mining industry so that they can also speak to each other in some way. Absolutely. And additionally to that, it's no secret that technology has been democratized to a large degree. Years ago, barriers to entry were huge. Nowadays, just about anyone can buy a computer, bit of software, 3D printer, and go to work and create a business that never was possible before. And we believe that that's going to increase quite dramatically, as most people do. And that's going to bring some benefit as well. But if you have a closed architecture or closed system, breaking into that is very difficult. And mm. uh, liberating that is a critical piece. And if I could just add, yeah. talking re with respect to government and the industry, there must be more collaboration. We need to bring down the barriers and have proper dialogue and collaboration around what does the mining industry look like in the future and how does it contribute to the local economy? Yeah, I guess in an another big part is what role do the unions play? At the moment, these guys are trying to keep the guys that are paying their fees in their jobs. So how do we collaborate and work better with unions to make sure that these guys know it's a change in skill and jobs will still be available, it's just about a different type of skill? And how do we work better with those guys as well? We're going to have to look at how we effectively share value in whichever form it is between multiple stakeholders. And we're talking here about government in terms of the royalties and taxes. We're talking about employees, the actual mineral rights owners, the communities, shareholders. So all those stakeholders have to be rewarded in their way. And we need to start looking at the business from a perspective of all the stakeholders. Yeah, good one. Want to add something? Also, thinking about the time frame. So up until now, the minerals industry or the mining industry is all about discovering that resource, mining the resource, and then bringing the land back to some previous condition as best as possible. 
we've got the ability to extend that model further, which is another interesting area that we're talking to a few people about. Okay, it sounds very interesting. So Harry, I got to know you as a coach and master facilitator for a couple of projects that we worked together on. So what I'd like to talk to you about is specifically the topic of change management and how important is change management and bringing people along? Very crucial. We're of the opinion change management starts at the top. It needs to have total commitment belief at a senior management level. The only way that you can truly bring people along is to have nearly blind belief that what you're engaged in, what you want to do, is going to create the new future. And too often we see that that's quite neglected. People seem to do it because there's a requirement, because there's some external pressure, and they forget that the belief, internal belief, is a critical thing. Once that happens, then great things can come out of that. Because change, at the end of the day, requires communication, effective communication, engagement with people. And all we have is that in the change toolkit. And to be able to do that effectively, you've got to come from a true source. Gary, you're also on the committee for the South African Institute of Mining and Metallurgy. Can you tell me more about them? And do you think they're ready for all the changes that are coming in which you are proposing? I can't talk on behalf of the Southern Institute of Mining Metallurgy, but I can give you my personal perspective. The South African Institute of Mining Metallurgy has about over 5,000 members, and they're representing their members' interests in the industry together with other stakeholders. Southern Institute of Mining Metallurgy has recognized the need to change. I'm the chairman of the mining part of the technical program committee at the moment, and we've rejigged the whole way we do our technical program in terms of our conferences we're looking at different ways of doing conferences that take into account the new digital revolution around digital delivery of conferences, mini forums, business breakfasts, and the actual SIMM itself is re-looking at what does the SIMM look like in the future and how they position themselves as a thought leader in the industry that drives collaboration for members and other stakeholders. In preparing for this podcast, is there any specific message that you would like to leave with people listening to this podcast? I think there's probably only one thing I'd like to leave them with, and that is you've, you've got to really disrupt the present to improve the future. And that's what the mining is just going to have to do if they want to, to achieve a quantum change that they want to achieve to make themselves competitive. Yeah, is there anything that you'd like to add, Harry? That's something that you'd really like our audience to either know about your business or about anything we discussed over this podcast? So there's probably two quotes that come to mind that I often use. One is by Roosevelt and he said something along the lines of, no one cares how much you know until they know how much you care. And in a changing, disruptive environment, that's a critical component to success, we believe. The second one is Henry Ford who said, if you think you can or you think you can't, you're right. And that's about self-belief. And those two underpin a lot of what we do and how we do it, ultimately leading us to what is one of our key mantras, and that is simplifying complexity. So where can people find out more about all of the companies that you guys are involved with and get more information about the work that you do? So we definitely um, adopt that same 
process around disruption, our whole mindset of how we run the business ourselves and applying technology. So you can go and look at all the social media channels. We are on Facebook. We're on LinkedIn. There are going to be a whole lot of posts coming out. So go and have a look for us on the internet or even pop into the Mandela Mining Precinct and just call first to make sure we're there. Any websites that people can visit? Yeah, we have simine.co and formacollaborations.com. We're also on YouTube. We do produce videos every now and again just to illustrate some of the topics that we've been talking about here. And uh, soon to be launched, we are going to be starting a thing called Open Source Mine, which is going to be the TED Talks of mining. So we're going to try and bring in thought leaders to disseminate knowledge. So that's something that we're going to be launching very soon. I look forward to that. So it's been wonderful having you guys in the studio with me today. So I'd like to thank you for being here. Thanks very much, Harry and Gary. Thank you, Petra. Thank you very much for inviting us. Unchanged is recorded at Solid Gold Studios. For more information about the podcast and to listen to previous episodes, go to solidgoldstudios.co.za forward slash unchange. Here you will also find show notes for this episode and more information about my guests. Until next time, goodbye. Goodbye.